getting started a little bit late today, and today's really full. Um, today's kind of our meat day, so that Friday before y'all are headed out um, is not going to be quite as full. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in and pray for us real quick, and then we'll get started, okay? Lord, I pray that you would, again, give me clarity of, of mind and of word, that you would help us to focus on the things that we need to focus on today, that you, your spirit would be here, that you would open the ears and the hearts of everyone here. Um, and just give us wisdom as we dive into your word. Um, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Um, okay, so yesterday we kind of let the first verse of Stephanie's song be our background and our kind of foundation. And what we're going to do today is the second verse. Um, I'll be your lighthouse when you're lost at sea. I will illuminate everything. No need to be frightened by intimacy. Just throw off your fear and come running to me. Yesterday we talked about loneliness and some of the reasons and ways we try to hide from God and from others that we're lonely. Can y'all kind of give me a little review of some of the things we talked about? Ways that we hide or guard our loneliness. Yes. Um, indifference. Indifference was a way, for sure. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, but like knowing the oh. You go. Uh, but like, you know, knowing you like know everybody. Mm-hmm, the social butterfly kind of thing. Yeah. Humor. Humor was a big one for sure. Anything else? Ways that we hide. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say like distracting ourselves and hiding behind like phones. For sure. Distracting ourselves, hiding behind social media, books, phones. Anybody else? Yeah. Work. Work. Staying busy, right? Yeah. All of those things. Um, today I wanted to start off by asking another question. When we feel overwhelmed by that fear and shame and by just the brokenness of the world we live in and our loneliness, how do we know what's true? How in the world are we supposed to know what's real and which way is up when we often don't feel like we can trust anyone, sometimes not even ourselves, right? So that's going to be kind of the question that we're asking today is how do I know what's real, what's true? Today my first and like top priority and desire for you guys is I want the Bible to come a little bit more alive for you guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple of looks at a few examples of people who have felt totally alone and overwhelmed in scripture. We're going to take two from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. Elijah and David in the Old and Jesus in the New. Warning, we're going to read a lot of scripture today um, and talk about some intense things, but I really just hang with me. I think it's going to be good. What we're going to start with is Elijah's experience with loneliness. This is in 1 Kings 19. Verses 1 through 13, if you want to follow along. I did not include this in your handout because it's a little big old chunk of scripture. Um, and, I'll, and I'm going to read it for us. Um, but it's 1 Kings 19, that first section in 1 Kings 19, if you want to follow along. I'm going to give you some background. And the reason we're going to read a chunk is because what we're going to read is a story. And it wouldn't make sense and it wouldn't really help us very much if we didn't have the context, okay? So Elijah is one of God's prophets in the Old Testament. A prophet was someone who, before they had the word of God in book form, they had people that God would choose to speak for him, speak his words to the people, okay? And and Elijah was one of those people, his prophet, okay? He lives in a land that is now um, no longer ruled by people who believe in God. Their names are Ahab and Jezebel. You may have heard um, people use the term Jezebel all the time, even if they're not Christians or know who God is, right? Jezebel is not a happy term. You don't want to be called a Jezebel, right? That's where we get this. It's from the scriptures. Ahab told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done and that he had killed the prophets. Context, right before this, Elijah and some pagan prophets had had like a one-off, right? where the prophet said, our God's bigger than your God, and Elijah said, oh yeah, and then all the prophets died. Um, She sent a message to Elijah saying, you killed my prophets and now I'm going to kill you. I pray that the gods will punish me even more severely if I don't do it by this time tomorrow. Elijah was afraid when he got her message. I would be too. He ran to the town of Beersheba in Judah, and he left his servant there, and then he walked a whole other day in the desert. Okay, it, it says this real quick, like, oh, he just ran to this. He ran 30 miles. That's how terrified he was of this woman. Wow. And walked a whole other day into the desert. Finally, he came to a large bush and sat down in the shade, and he begged the Lord, I've had enough. Just let me die. I am no better off than my ancestors. And then he lay down in the shade and fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel awoke him and said, get up and eat. Elijah looked around, and by his head was a jar of water and some baked bread. He sat up, he ate and drank, and then he fell back asleep. 
Soon the Lord's angel woke him again and said, Come, get up and eat, or you'll be too tired to travel. And so Elijah sat up and ate and drank. The food and water made him strong enough to walk 40 more days. At last he reached Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. This is where... um, It's going to be funny if I get this wrong. Um, This is where the Ten Commandments were given to God's people, I'm pretty sure. Um, When Elijah was on Mount Sinai, the Lord asked Elijah, why are you here? He answered, Lord God, all-powerful, I have always done my best to obey you, but your people have broken their promise to you. They have torn down your altars, killed all of your prophets except for me, and now they're even trying to kill me. Go out and stand in the cleft of the rock, the Lord replied. I want you to see me when I pass by. All at once, a strong wind shook the mountain and shattered the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. Next, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there was a raging fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Finally, there was a gentle breeze, a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his coat, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the Lord asked Elijah once more, Elijah, why are you here? Girls, what I want you to mainly notice first about Elijah's story is that we are whole beings made of many parts, okay? The parts we're going to focus on today are that we are physical beings, we are relational beings, we are emotional beings, and we are spiritual beings, okay? Physical, relational, emotional, spiritual. Okay, so to do this, I don't know that we have room in, the, in this room to actually piece out and do small groups, but what I'm going to have you guys do is you're welcome to engage with me through large group when I'm talking, right, and answer out loud to me. That's great um, if you want to raise your hand to do that. Otherwise, I would really love for a couple of times in this I'm going to be asking questions, and they are not rhetorical. I would like you to turn into your group. If you, if you don't want to talk out loud to the big, big group, turn to your group. And I'm going to give you guys a couple of minutes for each one to just kind of talk about how about the questions I'm asking, okay? And I don't think we can actually, like, piece into small groups, but just kind of turn to each other and talk for a minute, okay? The first section we're going to hit is physical. Often when we're feeling alone and down, people can immediately jump to, okay, have you been reading your Bible? Have you been praying? Have you been going to church? First hear me say those are not bad things for people to be asking you, okay? All of those things are important to your health. But what is the first thing that Jesus in this chapter does? Because if y'all didn't know, in the Old Testament, when it says the angel of the Lord, that is the second person of the Trinity that has now come in angel form to minister to his people. So that's Jesus in the Old Testament. What is the first thing that Jesus does? Does he come down and pray with Elijah? No, he gives him food. He gives him food. He cooks out with them, right? Sometimes the first thing we need is to take a break. Sometimes what we need is to give our bodies rest, a snack, a sip of water, take a nap. Sometimes what we need to do is first address this physical part of ourselves because God gave you this physical body. God loves this physical body, and he wants you to take care of it. Okay? What I'd like you guys to talk amongst yourselves, um, and then... If, if some people, what I'll do is I'll ask a couple groups to kind of just give me examples of what you talked about. What are some ways that you guys charge your battery physically? How do you handle feeling down or lonely or whatever else goes on for you, um, feeling physically out of it? How do you take care of yourself? What are ways that um, you get that energy back in your body, okay? So I'm going to have you talk with your group about that for a couple minutes, and then I'll call us back. I don't know if any of these are saving.
guys. We'll have a couple more of these, so hopefully everybody will get a chance to share with your group. But um, anybody, just raise your hand. Um, anybody have an example of a way that they kind of recharge their battery physically? How do you take care of your body? Take a nap. Take a nap. I love naps. How come we go through that period in our life where we hate naps? I'm like, I feel like all of life we should just remember we love naps. Naps are good. Yes, taking a nap is a great one. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, just doing something that involves me being by myself. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. So for some people, right, it might be I need to have a chance to kind of get away from people for a few minutes and recharge, right? It can be tiring to be around people. Yeah. Taking a walk, I love she combines two. Taking a walk and calling a friend, okay? So taking a walk, I'm thinking real basic and practical here, guys. When you get outside, and especially if the sun is shining, vitamin D is literally giving you energy. Your body is recharging and you are getting energy supply just by being outside, having fresh air, and seeing the sunlight. Even if you don't have the energy to walk, go sit outside. It is so good for your body, okay? And often what we want to do is we want to isolate in our room and stay indoors, right? When we're feeling down, we're feeling tired. Um, so getting outside, even if you're sleeping outside, taking that nap outside, um, is so, so good for your body. The other thing she said was talk to a friend. So for some people, being completely alone for a short amount of time can be very recharging, right? For other people, connecting with trusted few people can be very recharging. Connecting with a dear friend who knows you and can really connect with you, right? For other people, being in a big group of people is super energizing. It's like, woohoo, I have life, right? We're all so different. So one of the things that I, I love that just happened is y'all need to get to know your body and figure out what helps me. It might not be the same thing that helps my friend. It may not be the same thing that helps my mom or my dad or my cousin or whatever, whoever's giving me advice. Get to know your body and what helps you recharge. Um, I'm going to put a side note in here um, for a second. So I, I told you all yesterday that uh, my, my job, I'm a mom, but one of, one of my jobs is that I'm a counselor. And so I don't feel like we can take a break and look at <coughs> physical care of our bodies and the way that sin and loneliness and shame affect our bodies without talking about a couple of things. I'm not going to go into this really deeply. And I'm not going to take any questions, um, but I would like to invite any of you um, and your youth leaders to come speak with me afterwards or find me anytime this week. I'm staying at Rainbow Lodge, um, and anytime my kid is napping, I have to hang out in the lobby, so come find me. <laughs> um, but I would love to talk with you more on, um, individually if this is something that really resonates with you. Um, God made our bodies to be whole, right? We talked about that yesterday. But they are broken now, and there are a lot of consequences to that. It might be disease. Maybe you or someone you know and love is experiencing a, a chronic disease or something that's really painful in their bodies. Um, it also resulted in things like depression and anxiety, panic attacks, eating disorders, addiction, whether it be to nicotine, alcohol, other drugs, pornography or other sexual content, chronic pain, cutting or other <coughs> self-harm. We all experience the brokenness of this world in different ways. We won't, but I'm telling you, we could go around and all this name away that we feel sin and hurt in our bodies, right? Things are not the way they're supposed to be. For instance, I personally have struggled with pretty severe depression and anxiety for about five years now. Um, it can come and go without warning um, and kind of flash up. Right now, I'm at a time in my life where I'm able to cope with that without medicine, and I'm really grateful for this kind of time in life that I'm in. I don't expect it to always stay that way, and it definitely has not been that way in the past. It's definitely been something that I needed to take medicine for just to, uh, the way I say it is, to get my head above water, right? I have a very, uh, my best friend growing up when I was younger, um, she would cut herself almost weekly um, just to have a sense of control and release from the pain and the chaos that was happening around her at her house. Um, and one of my dearest friends to this day um, is honestly one of the most beautiful women, I mean, inside and out, but outwardly one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And she has struggled pretty severely with anorexia since she was in middle school because she has a lot of trouble seeing herself, her physical body, the way that I do and the way that God does. I could give you a lot of other personal examples. Um, 
so again, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to name those things. Those are things that are real and that are a part of probably all of our lives in some way. And if we don't name them, if we don't talk about them in some way, they actually have more power, okay? What shame and Satan want you to believe, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, he wants you to believe that keeping things in the dark and keeping the light turned off actually keeps them safe, keeps you safe. That is the biggest, pardon me leaders, it's bullshit, okay? That is a lie, and it is so not for you. That is not Jesus. Keeping things secret, I don't know if y'all seen Lord of the Rings when he says, keep it secret, keep it safe. That's, that's what shame wants to tell you, keep it secret, keep it safe. Keeping things secret does not keep it safe. It actually makes things a thousand times worse. So I would encourage you to please talk to somebody if some of these things are a part of what are going on in your life, if, if it's whether it's a loved one, yourself personally, talk to your youth leader. Come find me with your youth leader if you need somebody that's not connected to your home, right? Um, but yeah, so I wanted to put that invitation out there um, for you guys. The second part we're going to talk about, and we won't spend a ton of time here um, because we talked a lot about it yesterday, is relational, right? So we're physical beings and we're relational beings. We are made for relationships with God and other people. It's why we have loneliness because when the fall came and it broke everything, we now don't have the connection that we were made for, so we feel lonely. So what I want you guys to talk about for just a quick second is what are some ways that you see loneliness showing up in your relationships and what are some ways you can fight it in your relationships, okay? So really focus on (laughs) relational things right now, okay? How do we feel it and how do we fight it in our relationships? Ooh, this one's harder. Everyone got really quiet. <laughs> don't overthink it. It could be a dumb answer. I don't care. Where do we see loneliness in our So before physical was like here, and now we're thinking of here, that one would be quick. Anybody able, this one's a little, uh, it can be a little harder, right? We started with how does it affect us here, and now we're talking about how does it affect us here. So what are some ways that y'all have seen loneliness in your relationships, or how you uh, how you think you can fight it in your relationships? Yeah? It can make them feel shallow, right? Because you've talked, we talked about yesterday how we put that loneliness in a room and try to hide it, right? Anytime you wall off parts of yourself, you're putting up a barrier, and it's very hard to actually connect with people on any kind of deep level. Great, yeah. I had one other hand over here first. Oh, yep. I said you can fight it by like including yourself. I know like people might be excluding you, mm-hmm. but you also have to put yourself like out there. For Ooh, the yeah. I think that's a great. I would love for y'all to have more conversations about that in your group about what that looks like, because that is hard, right? When we are excluded by people, it is so difficult to think. I have power to include myself, right? And there's going to be places where you don't, and there's going to be places where you really do. And you don't have to wait to be asked. Ooh, that touches my story big time. Ooh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Yes? So for me, like often I have trouble with friendship, whatever, because like my friends have other friends who they like more, they like me, you know? Mm -hmm, Like you said yesterday, yeah. Yeah, but like to talk about, I think what we need to do is like feel normally gotta tell your friends that you feel lonely like they're not always including you as much as they include other people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so one thing that I'm hearing you saying is your friends aren't always gonna know that this is how you're feeling unless you're honest with them and you tell them right so communication is gonna be one way that you can really fight that for yourself for sure that's a great great point anybody else yeah 
come, sometimes I get like third wheel, you know, like fifth wheel, seventh wheel, like all the wheels. Yep. <laughs> so, um, truth, wheel. truth. Then like, I guess to fix that, I mean, there's someone else who could be getting third wheel and they could be like, yo, what's up? So sometimes, oh yeah, so sometimes it can be that, oh hey, you're feeling slighted too? Me too! And we can bond over that, right? Yeah, definitely, that can definitely happen, yeah. Okay, so instead of sometimes, um, what can happen when people are feeling lonely or cut off or slighted is instead of embracing that cut off, right, and being like, oh, there's no, I'm, there's, oh, I'm lonely and I'm isolated, they can go the other way. I'm trying not to trip here, and instead of pulling even more back, they do this, and they're like, this person's like, eh, 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 or other, and it's like, no. So you can become very possessive about relationships, right, and very. Um, overly connected where like have you ever seen this may have happened to you or you could have seen this in friends where like they no longer seem like two people it's just one person that has the same schedule the same likes the same voice the same like literally it's like it's a little creepy you're like so that can happen where you become overly attached to somebody right where you go the opposite way because you're so scared to lose that person right that relationship those are all great examples we're going to keep moving um, so there's, I loved how y'all t- talked about both ways that shame and loneliness come up in our relationships, the ways we react to it, and the ways we can fight it. It was great. The next part of a, ourselves that we're going to talk about is how we are emotional beings, okay? This is often where we put loneliness, right? Loneliness is a feeling, and, and that's true, but it's a feeling that affects every part of us, like we were just talking about. It affects how we are physically, how we are relationally. What, I'm going to do this large group, okay? How, how am I going to do this? Do y'all, we'll do a yes or no question first. Do y'all feel you are able to express your loneliness, that feeling of loneliness? Does anyone feel like they're able to express that? Yes, no, what? (laughs) Do you guys feel, so some emotions are easier to show than others, right? Do you feel like you have ways you can show or express that you are lonely? To yes. like, I mean, like in here, obviously, but like to my friends or whatever, I'm like, kind of not gonna tell them about that. So sometimes it depends on the person. So yes, no, okay, right here. Like when I'm like really lonely, like people might see it where I'm like having like my black hoodie and I'm sitting in the corner. Uh huh. And people will probably be like, oh, that's weird. Okay, so sometimes it can feel. Um, the way you express it can. You're afraid somebody might think that's weird. It could be that you have a hoodie up and you got your earpods in and you're like really alone, right? So that was going to be the next part was the yes or no. So it sounds like a lot of you do have ways that you express it. What are, just please raise your hand, one or two ways that you show or express your loneliness? If you have one right there. Um, I only have the last bit of that. It's okay. I'm sorry. Thanks for being honest. You're good. Um, Go. Yeah, so sometimes just speaking it, saying it, right, to another person can be a way we express it. Anybody else? Yeah. Through music, I find songs that, like, relate to me, or sometimes I'll even write. Yeah. I do that sometimes. Yes. And so that kind of way. I'm so excited when people say what I want to say. Um, okay, so well, things that, like, are helpful for me. So some ways that I want to encourage you guys, the reason I'm focusing on how you express your feelings, okay? One of the reasons we talked about your physical body first is that there's more and more science and research now saying that if we don't express bodily our emotions, your body is going to hold that, okay? And it can literally make you feel sick. You have this thing called a vagus nerve that starts right here at the base of your brain and goes throughout your whole body. It's connected to basically everything in your body, okay? Um, I would like people, no, it's too big a group. Um, We often think we have one brain, right? You actually have three. Yeah, what? This is a recent thing. This brain up here you're in your head, your like mental cognitive brain, it's, the, it's, it's unique. There's only one that really does everything that your cognitive brain does. But the neural network that is up here, you also have it around your heart and around your stomach. Okay? When you're feeling anxious, how many of you, just raise your hand, feel sick to your stomach? Right? That's because your, your body's holding your anxiety, right? And often, you can then move to around your heart when we go to full-fledged panic. 
If you've had a panic attack, it can feel like your heart is about to explode, right? So your body will hold things. It will hold your emotions, and that's why it can be so helpful to express them with your body, okay? Whether that be, like, it doesn't have to be your whole body, but it's, re- it's one of the reasons why people love to run, why exercising can be a really great place for you to, like, express some of that emotion. If you're like me, and that's never going to happen, um, <laughs> or you're at least never going to enjoy it, um, music, listening to music. Somebody in the first class mentioned dance. Um, writing, drawing. Um, Again, guys, this is not about talent. This is not about (laughs) talent at all. This is about using your body to express the things that you're feeling, okay? So it could be that you find a song that expresses what you're feeling in ways that you could never do. Or maybe you write it out and it gets it out of your body. Maybe it's just writing literally what you're thinking in a journal of some kind. Maybe you do poetry. Maybe you write songs. Whatever you do, right? I think sometimes we get caught up in, if I do those things, it has to look good, it has to sound good, it has to be perfect. It does not. This is literally you just getting stuff out of your body, okay? Try to think of it that way, and it will become a lot easier and I think a lot more enjoyable. Um, Got all caught up in that. One of the things that we talked about, again, was about hiding that loneliness and shutting it off. Our instinct often is not to express those negative emotions, it's to hide them, to ignore them, to numb them. But guys, what happens is we cannot selectively numb our emotions. When you decide to turn the volume down on your negative emotions, you're also going to turn the volume down on your positive ones. It's just how your body works. It's how your whole self works. So if you're ignoring or suppressing or trying to numb through various means your negative emotions, you're also not able to enjoy or have joy the way that God intended you to, okay? So what are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to respond to this mess of painful emotion that we're feeling so intensely in our bodies and in our relationships? Let's look back at our text, 1 Kings 19. What does Elijah do? He runs to God's mountain and tells God what he's feeling. Guys, you are supposed to bring your emotions to God, no matter what they are or why you have them. We were created emotional beings because our God is an emotional God. It's one of the ways that you are like him. And he wants you to bring all of those emotions to him, not just the happy Pollyanna put a bow on it ones, not just the praise ones, not just the worship ones, the really difficult, the painful, the dark, the things that often don't get talked about in church. He wants you to bring all of those to him. A really um, good example of this for you guys, because I can say that till I'm blue in the face, right? But if I'm not connecting it to where to God's authority, I, I could just be throwing you know, cow manure at you guys. Um, so we're going to look at the Psalms. This is one of my favorite books in the Bible, primarily because the guy who wrote it, it, it is the most raw, emotional writing in almost all of scripture, except for some of the things that Jesus says. This guy, David, he was a king of God's people in the Old Testament, and he basically gives us his own personal feelings journal, okay? Feelings journals are something I do a lot in counseling, especially with little kids. They'll come in and they'll tell me, this is how I felt today, and here's why. Um, Because actually, that's a really thing, you had to learn how to do that. You had to learn growing up how to name what you were feeling and why you were feeling it. And some of us didn't learn that very well, and it's still really hard to this day, right? So David in the Psalms is pouring out his heart, and some of it is real peaks, real awesome, real uh, very what we would say worshipful, very happy. And some of it, and I would argue it's still worshipful, is incredibly painful. I'm going to read a couple of these things. I did not include it, um, but if you guys were to go read the Psalms, I would encourage you to start reading it less like a book of the Bible that they read as a part of the liturgy in your church and more like someone's raw emotional journal. David never minimizes his pain. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. Sheol would be another name for death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of despair, in the regions of the dark and the deep, and your wrath lies heavy upon me. You overwhelm me with all of your waves. 
You have caused my companions to shun me, and you have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape, and my eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in hell? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? That's from Psalm 88. Guys, I think we can get caught up in the beauty of his words, right? He knows how to make something sound really beautiful just in the words that he uses. He's talking about wanting to be dead, how isolated he feels that's so shunned by his friends, so betrayed, so alone, that he questions, he doubts that God is actually the one doing this to him, right? Anybody ever been there where you feel so incredibly alone with whatever that's going on that you start to question, God, this feels like your hand. This feels like you were the one doing this to me, right? At the same time that David is incredibly raw and honest about his emotions, he rarely loses perspective. We are sinners, and it is God who is in control, God who holds the power, and he is a God who is good. Before I move on with that, I think this is important to touch base on. One thing that can happen when you, maybe you've tried, maybe you've tried risking being very honest like David and saying how you feel to someone. And maybe you got something that sounds like this from someone who loves you and really wants your best. Well, you know, at least it's not as bad as so-and-so over there. You know, she's really actually having a hard, a really hard time, and at least it's not as bad as that. Or, you know, at least you have three meals a day and clean water, and they don't have that in Africa. Okay? Those, are, those might be true statements, okay? I'm not going to argue that. I don't think they're helpful. And I think that um, what can happen is there's, on one hand, it can be very good to get perspective, right? There can be times that shame, member makes us look down and all we can see is, our, is ourselves. It can be helpful to look up and say, oh, no, you're right. This isn't as big or as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm not alone. Where it becomes dangerous and unhelpful and even harmful is when shame takes those same words and starts to say, you are so pathetic. How could you be complaining when your friend is going through something like that? You should just shut up because there are people starving and you're fine. When we use comparison to diminish or dismiss what's going on in our own lives, that is not of Jesus. Okay? So I want you to beware of the at leasts. The doubt that gets planted is that God is not good. But what David always ends with is, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Wash me of my sins, cleanse me. O Lord, my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He remembers who God says he is, his promises, and the faithfulness he has shown throughout his whole life. Okay? We are made in the image of God. So the very core of what we need especially when we feel alone, is him. We have a God who cares for every single part, a God who listens. This is going to be the last time we break for a second. How does loneliness affect the way that you see God and your relationship with him? How does loneliness affect the way that you see God and your relationship with him? Questions keep getting harder.
right, guys, we're going to come back in. Um, I'm going to have you guys raise your hand again. What are some ways that you guys talked about that loneliness affects the way you see God or your relationship with him? Yes. Make un- unmotivated? Yeah. yeah, so how does that work between you and God? So often it can be, um, what it can look like is that it can drain your relationship with God. Maybe you felt very passionate about the Lord and about your relationship with him, and then in feeling alone, and feeling alone and cut off from him even sometimes, it starts to drain that motivation, drain that energy away from your relationship, right? There's another hand right here. Uh, like when I'm really lonely, I have like this temptation just to sit with myself. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have to force myself to spend time with yep. God and just like be still in his presence. Mm-hmm. Like I move around a lot. I'm a military kid. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of friends and a lot of people that I don't, I don't even think I'll ever see again, not even heaven. Yeah. Um, So it has to become, you have to start reminding yourself, right? Like David does, because it can be really hard to connect with him. Because what you want to do, we talked about how it takes energy to be with people. It can take energy, it feels like it takes energy to try and connect with, with God from our perspective, right? So another, yes. Draws them to the Lord. So sometimes it really can feel like our our uh, loneliness can push us away or disconnect <coughs> us from the Lord. And sometimes in his grace, it can actually be the thing that draws him closer, right? I feel so alone. I know that he's what I have. I know that he is the one constant, right? Yeah, I love that. My mom, uh, sort of off that. My mom always says that whatever love she doesn't get from people, she'll get from God. Mm-hmm. And so... <coughs> Even if there are less people out there that care about you or whatever, that just means God is taking up more of that space in your heart mm-hmm. and loving you, and His love is perfect. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I think that another way to look to to look at that is that um, God, God is is the the filler of that void that we have, right? God is the one that fills. It's a God-shaped hole in our heart. <laughs> I hate that phrase, but that's the that's what that is. And so when we go looking for people love to try and fill that up, it feels constantly empty and it's never enough. And we either get discouraged and start to isolate or we overattach, like somebody said again, because we're so desperate to fill it up. So sometimes we can pull away from people and other times we go towards, but God's love is the part that actually fills us up. What are other ways that y'all notice loneliness affecting your relationship with God? I like isolate myself from him. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be like, you know what? I don't need God. Mm-hmm. I need to go lose weight. No, mm-hmm. I don't need God. I need to go cut my hair. Yep. Like yep. I try to fix things myself. Yes, there are so many things that I can do to make myself feel better, right? So I will go do those things instead of addressing my relationship with the Lord. Now, going to get your hair cut and sometimes losing weight, depending on how you're doing that, those are not in and of themselves bad things right? I have hair DD. I like color or cut my hair constantly. It's just what I do. I love it. It's so much fun. But if that becomes what we're doing instead of leaning on the Lord, right? And leaning on our relationship with him, that's where it can get us into trouble for sure. For sure. The majority, I want you all to look at the majority of Elijah's interaction with God in this chapter. God listens. When we're feeling alone, afraid, sad, angry, Okay, so twice now, I don't know if maybe this is just a me thing. Nobody has really said that they get angry at God in either of the classes, and maybe it's because you felt like you couldn't say it. That is one of my go-tos when I'm feeling alone. I get pissed off at God because I start to doubt that he's the one that's doing this to me or that, like, why couldn't you just show up differently? Like, I get real mad. When, we ha- when we're feeling those things, don't we mostly just need someone to see us and to hear what we're saying, right? Here God shows us that that's exactly how he works. He is a God who hears us no matter where we are or what we have done or what has happened to us. Okay? I used to think of um, somebody read from Psalm, I think 121 in the first hour, about I lift my eyes to the hills, and it talks about God is wherever I am. I used to think of that as very geographical. Okay, I'm in Colorado, and God is here with me. I am in Tennessee, and God is here with me. I am in California, and God is here with me. I am in Europe, and God is here with me. I am in Africa, God is here with me, blah, 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 so on. And that is so true. No matter where you go on this earth, God is with you, right? Also, 
don't know if y'all have experienced this a ton yet. You have a whole internal war. I go so many places internally. I go real dark and deep sometimes, like the bottom of the ocean. And what he is saying in scripture is that no matter where you go, I will be there with you. I am with you no matter where you go, whether it be geographically or internally. And I care and I listen. God, if you look in that first Kings chapter, he, God doesn't even talk until the very end of the chapter, other than to say, eat food, right? God listens first. And then he, all, and he shows up, not in the way we always expect. Do we believe that God shows up? Sometimes it can be hard to hear what God is saying with all the other noise going on in our lives, whether it be family, friends, or in our own internal world when Shane gets so loud. There's a song that I love, and I don't know if y'all sung this yet this week. Jesus whispers this sweet sentence, son, your sins are all forgiven. The ultimate way God appears to us is in a still, small voice, a moment, a touch, a presence, a person. You can only know God personally through his word and through Jesus. Jesus is God's word made into flesh. God became a person so that he could connect with you and save you, okay? And this body that he took experienced all the loneliness and all the physical pain that you guys were just talking about. So we're gonna do, we're gonna move to this next section and we're gonna have to hit this kind of quick. Jesus experienced loneliness with his family, okay? I'm gonna read this kind of paraphrase that Luke 2 on your outline real quick. So Jesus' parents go to Jerusalem for this big feast and they stay and then they leave and they go about a day's journey. So we would think, okay, I'm sorry, you went a whole day without noticing where your kid was? Like that does not happen in today's universe, right? At that time, there were they would go with their family and their people all into Jerusalem, okay, all the Jews. And so it would be this massive caravan of people all going in, right? And then all leaving. And so they all left. And what, what happens with that kind of big caravan, I don't know if y'all have been on big family vacations or anything before, but usually the adults kind of hang together and the kids kind of hang together, right? So you have like probably a bunch of adults walking around leading the way and they just assume the kids are in the back following. Okay, Jesus isn't there. So they go to bed at night, and I'm imagining from the parents' perspective, it's a little home alone, right? Have you seen that Christmas movie? Where all of a sudden they realize that Jesus is not with them. And Kevin's mom, Jesus! Ah! And so they have to panic and rush back a whole day's journey back in the city. And they find Jesus sitting with these teachers in the temple, which is like the church back then. They looked for three days for him, panicking. And they find him, and his mom says, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I'd be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying he spoke to them. So we have the parents' perspective, home alone, right? Panic, I can't believe my kid would do this to me, this is awful. <coughs> Jesus' perspective, it's God Almighty in the body of a 12-year-old with the brain of a 12-year-old, sitting surrounded by these teachers who are older and think they know better than him. Finally, his, his parents show up, the people who saw the angels, who know who he is. Of course they're going to back me up. Of course they're going to back me up and tell these teachers that I know what I'm talking about. But they fail him. They don't understand what he's talking about. Can you imagine, can you put yourself in Jesus' shoes, or maybe you've actually experienced this with your family, the people who are supposed to know you the best and love you the deepest and the most fiercely are the people who daily fail you and daily make you feel the most alone. I'm not going to take any more questions just because we're going really fast. I'm sorry, but I would love to talk to you afterwards. Often, for a lot of us, being at home is where we feel the most invisible. And Jesus feels that with you. He experienced it. He also felt alone with his friends. The night before he went in, uh, a couple nights before he was killed, he went to a garden and he was to sit and pray because he was feeling so many deep, dark, huge things that he needed to get it out and talk to his father. Okay. And he said, please guys, be with me, be with me and stay right here. Pray with me while I go and speak to my father and I'll come back. Right. Just be near me. I need my people near me. I need my friends. And they all fall asleep. And he comes out and he says, could you not watch with me just one hour? And then just a few hours later, when they come to arrest him, all of his friends leave. They fly. They flee. Jesus felt alone with his family. He felt alone with his best friends. He felt alone with the people who followed him. In Isaiah, they say, he says um, he was despised and rejected by the men who were supposed to accept him, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He was alone 
and abandoned by his family, his friends, his followers, and by God, his Father. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice from the cross, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, God did to Jesus what he promises in the Bible he will never do to you. He turned his back on him for three days. We have a God who can sympathize with our experiences, who is able to sympathize with our weakness, and who in every respect has been tempted as we are. How did Jesus respond to such loneliness? How did he respond? The first thing that he would do, someone mentioned this, is that he drew near to God. He drew near to God in his loneliness. He would withdraw to desolate places. He would get by himself, and he would pray to God. And he would remember God's promises about who he is and who we are in him. It reminds me of, um, if you guys have seen Lion King, um, I'm probably going to mention a Disney movie a day. Um, in Lion King, there's a scene where Simba, who is the son of the, of the Lion King prince, um, has run away. And he is in a field, and his dad, Mufasa, comes to him in the clouds. It's very, very ethereal, very cool. And James Earl Jones, who plays the dad, has this deep voice that I'm not going to be able to do. And he says to, to Simba, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Okay, what God calls us to, what David, Elijah, and Jesus show us, is that in our deepest, darkest moments, we are to remember what God has done. Remember who he is and remember who we are in him and trust in that. I'm going to play this song real quick before we end. It's by a girl named Lauren Daigle. Got to go see her in concert a few weeks ago and it was really awesome. So this song is called Remember and I feel like it's like a modern day psalm. I really love it. So before before we listen to it, I'm going to close. We'll listen and then you guys will be dismissed, okay? When everything else around us is chaos, when we feel desperately alone, how are we to know which way is up? Remember, how are we supposed to know it's true? It is God who grounds us, God who centers us, and God who leads us. We are warriors against the shame that isolates us. When we remember who we are in Jesus, that is how we fight. That is how we tell Satan, not today, I know who I am. You don't get to tell me who I am today. I am a, son of, I am a daughter of the king. Okay? So we're going to listen to this song, and then you guys will be dismissed.
all have a great day.